Here we go. It's episode two. Can you believe it's been a week already since the last episode? I apologize for the weird scratching sounds in the background. If you can hear them, that is my cat taking a poop. Yes, cats poop too. Um, so with, with this episode, I figured after going deep, dark and heavy into something that was really on my mind, chest and every other part of my being, I figured I'd actually introduce myself because there's a possibility that maybe some of you don't know who i am you got lured in by my sultry chocolate velvety voice and now you're like who is this mythical being well first my name is shiggy and that is not short for anything which is the usual thing that people kind of uh ask me it's spelled s-h-i-g-g-i pretty pretty standard procedures my mother was uh kind in her deciding to spell it phonetically rather than trying to replace things that don't exist in the english language with apostrophes there are a lot of apostrophes oh my god so um yeah if i had that on my dvla my driver's license thing that that would be a world of misery for the rest of my life and my passport so my mom did me a solid by giving me shiggy in the way of s-h-i-g-g-i so um that's the beginning you know, we always start with names. Yes, I'm female as well. There was a weird story yesterday. Like, someone got my number and they didn't know if I was a guy or a girl, which was red flags for me. I'm just like, how the hell did you get my number? It, it, it freaked me out a little bit. Kind of annoyed me a little bit. But here we are. Such is the risk you take with having online businesses. Um, so with this episode, uh, I think just kind of giving you a little bit of a, a quick tour as to who I am, how I became who I am. I'm going to chunk this down into to cheeky little chapters. Try this. I'm doing all of this on the fly, by the way. I, did, I have not planned my podcasts. I am a fan of just kind of figuring things out as I go. Hence the innumerable amounts of ums, so's, and anyways as weird fillers whilst my brain tries to catch up with my mouth. That sounded less weird in my head. So here we go. So in 1986, I was born. My mother decided to uh, give birth to me in Kenya. And um, I was born in the warmer months of Kenya, which is typically between December and February, March. Now, having to be in this country during the winter is pretty freaking weird. Like, I've been here for... 18 years, 19 years, 18 years. I've been here for 18 years and um, it still messes with my mind, like having Christmas time being cold versus being hot really, really, really freaks me out a little bit. But yeah, I I was born, um, lived in Kenya. Interesting fun fact, English is my only language, but it is not my first language. So being born and raised and living in Kenya, I spoke Swahili. Kiswahili, Swahili. Uh, There are different dialects, and depending on where you are in Kenya, um, that kind of changes the way things sound a little bit. And um, I didn't speak a word of English. Literally didn't speak not a word of English. Um, It wasn't until my parents took me to the UK when I was around six years old, when a rather draconian um teacher gave my parents this option of ignore your child until she speaks english now i'm stubborn i'm hard-headed i didn't really want to integrate with english people i you know as long as my mom was around then you know i was kind of cool so for the most part i'd run around school in england i lived in leatherhead in surrey if you know the place you understand why i'm saying this um i pretty much kept to myself 
And if any kid would come up to me and they like try and take my toys, apparently I'd go, wewe mbaya. And that translates to your bad in English. Um, strong-headed Shiggy, you know, strong-headed from the day I was born up until right now and forever, forevermore. Fun story. Whilst I was in uh, Leatherhead, my mom would always take me swimming on a Saturday to the local leisure center. And um, I was minding my own business. I think I just had enough of swimming. Like when I don't want to do something, it just doesn't happen. So I sat on the side of the swimming pool and this white kid comes running up to me, right? And he starts doing this. Now, if you're not watching me on Facebook, you probably don't know what the hell's going on right now. I'm rubbing my hand on my cheek because that's what this child did to me. Does that and then um, screams to its mother. I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Screams to their mother across the pool. Mommy, it won't come off and runs off. Remember, I didn't speak a word of English, right? So uh, <laughs> I was just very much in a state of WTF, bro. Like, um, who are you? What do you want? Why, why have you done the thing here? So that's happening on one side of the pool. Go to the other side of the pool. My mother's there. She's looking at me. She's thinking or wondering, what is my child going to do? There's three things I normally do. One, chase after the child and tear it a new butthole. Figuratively, not literally. Two, freak out and cry. And I will cry the house down. I got a good pair of lungs on me. Three, WTF, bro. Look at them and just think humans are weird. I still think humans are weird. So thankfully, I did number three. Chilled out, whatever. So my mom started laughing. The mother of the other child, however, was sat right next to my mother. And uh, um, she was red. She was so red, a lobster looked pale compared to her right now. And to say she was mortified would be an understatement, right? And this is an area where, you know, it's a semi, fairly affluent area. And people of color, black folks, you know, Kenyans aren't exactly common in Leatherhead, or they weren't then in the early 90s. And my mother was chuckling. She was looking at this mother. This mother was, you know, looking at... Um, someone calling me no go away um looking at my mother and she just apologized profusely and my mother said it's okay clearly you know my child isn't exactly affected by it maybe you should have a word with yours and um yeah you know that's a fun story of some casual racism that happened in the early 90s with yours truly had no idea what was going on this is something my mom told me years and years later so um yeah Swahili aside English learning aside with the rather draconian way of making a child learn English didn't work out too bad if I do say so myself um I moved back to Kenya, was privately educated in English schools, back and forth, back and forth. And then my parents kind of did their separation thing and chucked me back to England at the age of 14 to an all-girls school in the middle of nowhere in the north. One thing, do not send your child to single-sex schools. If you do, I question your sanity. I question everyone's sanity, but I question yours specifically. That was hell. Another fun, fun, fun issue was uh, I was the only black kid in a school with 650 personnel. There were two other mixed race kids of black origin. I think maybe a handful of uh, East Asian kids. So like Korea, J Japan, China and everything. I don't think there were any Indian kids at the time. So this is kind of like as this school was turning from all girls to co-ed. So um, 
Y'all are posting things in the Facebook thing. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I, um, yeah, so I was the only black kid. Icarus, stop. I was the only black kid in a private all-girls school um, full of 650 other people. So another fun story because this is what it's all about. It's all about the stories. The initial headmistress um, had never really interacted with a person of color. And when I moved there, my friends, my classmates all dared me to kind of fob off. I have uh, five piercings in each ear. I had a Lebray piercing as well. And I had a, did I have a tongue piercing at the time? No, sorry. I didn't even have the Lebray piercing. I just had the five piercings. I did all the other piercings later on. So five piercings in either ear. And um, they basically said, like, just 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 pretend like you're an African tribal princess or whatever and say that like your piercings are for tribal reasons. I yeah, I um I got called called up um for the earrings and she said, you know, you need to take them out. We only allow, allow one pair of earrings. I said, I'm sorry, miss, I can't because of my tribal background being tighter and one of the smaller village one of the smaller tribes in Kenya. Um I need to keep them. And she believed for an entire year, <laughs> for an entire year, no one bothered me about my earrings because like I was the token black kid in the school um, with my tribal earrings. <laughs> they weren't tribal, I just did them because I could. Like me and my mom were doing this stupid competition on how many, pe- how many piercings we could get in our ears. She stopped at three, I stopped at five. So for a whole year, the entire school just left me alone with my five piercings in my ears. And then we changed head persons so from a headmistress to a headmaster mr das as uh, he, he was called is a um indian kenyan so he moved in did his thing kind of got set settled into uh the school and i got called just out of the blue uh to mr das's office to the headmaster's office i i, I had nothing I, I wasn't thinking of anything like you know i wasn't really um too bothered about any of this and <laughs> I go into the office and I sit down and Mr. Das is like, Shiggy, I, I've heard um, that you pulled, what, what did you say? You pulled the wool over the last headmistress's eyes. And I still wasn't putting two and two together. I was just like, mm, what? I don't know. And he's like, your earrings. And I was like, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh no. And like, I, I didn't say any of this. I was just like, mm, yes, Mr. Das, my, my earrings. Yes. And he was like, they're not tribal, are they? And I said, no, Mr. Das, they're not tribal. He said, I need you to take them out and you're only allowed one pair. And I said, yes, of course, Mr. Das. And then he started laughing and I'm just like, am I going to get expelled? Am I going to get detention? Are they going to send a letter to my parents saying that, you know, I lied about being some tribal princess or something? I don't know. He was actually pretty cool about it. Um, He said one top marks of being ballsy as hell for doing it and pulling it off and like keeping it up. And I'm like, it wasn't me. It was my friends. And then he went into a lecture about peer pressure and not succumbing to people and blah, 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 blah. And then then I got, you know, left. I, I, I uh, I behaved. And then I got a tattoo. I got my first Korean dragon tattoo at the age of 16. I got my, my Lebray piercing 
at the age of 16 as well. And my tongue piercing at the age of 16, because, you know, when you're a tear away child, when your parents separate, that's what you do to manage your emotions. You just do stuff. So um, that was the first part of my life up until basically 2000, you know, being a Kenyan, but not Kenyan, speaking English, but not having it as your first language, doing stupid stuff and getting away with it, because what's life without a few uh, fun experiences? So that's the first part, and now we're going to go into the second part. So... That was the first part of my life, um, doing school. After that school, I moved into my secondary school down near Brighton. Very much discovered a lot about myself, but that's for another podcast. And it was a co-ed school this time because I told my parents, I don't like it here. It's horrible. There's only girls. I, I, I can't deal with the things. So they're like, fine, choose a school. I chose a school. It was fun. I did great. Um, did fairly good average A-levels and stuff. And um moved on to university. Now I have been to three, no, I've done three courses and I have done um, two universities. So I went to Brunel University first because my whole thing was like, I'm into music and audio and sound engineering and stuff. And I'm really good at sports. I was really good at field hockey at the time. So I thought, why not I put two and two together? Um, there was mentioning of Loughborough University, but like I didn't really hear much about their kind of media and music kind of section of things. So um didn't want to do Loughborough. Also, it was back up in the north, and I didn't want to go back into the north. I wanted to be around London where things were fun, where a natural like 20-year-old would want to go and do crazy shit. So went to Brunel University, studied there, discovered multimedia technology and design wasn't for me, discovered working in an office wasn't for me either. That's when I went to Yellow Pages got signed off with anxiety and depression, got pilled up to the eyeballs to try and handle this thing. I think I started from five milligrams of um, citalopram and eventually reached a point of 75 milligrams of fluoxetine. Um, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I being anxious and having like these panic attacks and stuff? All because I'm working a job that I hate. So I sacked off the job and sacked off the pills and was fine. The doctor said, oh no, you don't, you know, you have to taper off, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, 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 gone, gone, gone. And I was fine, totally fine, free, free and happy and everything. Um, so that was 2008. And in that time, I had learned how to be a DJ at uh, A-levels, high school, A-levels, and got really good, quite good. And then absolutely blagged my way into my first job as a sound engineer and, um, what else? DJ, obviously. DJing in, with CDs and vinyl. Blagged my way into Brunel University Student Union. Um, I kind of, you know, sexed up my CV a little bit. And they're like, yeah, cool, you're hired. And I'm just like, holy shit, I'm a sound engineer. What the hell do I do now? Like, I have to learn how to do all of this stuff. And I learned, I learned, and it wasn't an issue whatsoever. Um, and had a lot of fun. DJed for some amazing people. I DJed for Pendulum. Um, was this close to going and being one of their roadies? Um, Rob the Banks, Danton Warriors, Shy FX, uh, Jay Magic, Wicker Man. Yes, I'm name dropping because I can. My cat's trying to get into my bed. Icarus, quit it. Quit it. Good boy. So um, 
yeah, Brunel University was a whale of a time. I kind of call it my Van Wilder phase. So there was a lot of alcohol, a lot of partying. Um, I had a car at the time, so I drove into central London, went and partied like at Fabric, drum and bass nights, came back out and everything. Um, moved to University of Westminster, tried studying architecture because reasons, and I got accepted, which is really weird, um, and pushed in for that. I enjoyed it, but then realized, like, who wants to spend a great chunk of their life designing toilets and, like, bins, right? You look at architect firms, you get your senior architects, you get your junior architects, you probably got your draftsmen, blah, 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 blah. Didn't particularly feel all of that. Like, the, the paying, the payments were great, but, like, not my jam, bro. So um, I sacked all of that off, had a bit of a nightmare with the um, fiancé at the time. Yes, I was engaged at one point, and then I saw the error of my ways and um basically just moved out and decided you know what I'm going to just try stuff so started doing security work because at the nightclub as a sound engineer as a venue supervisor it turns out I'm really good with this thing with my mouth apparently um and talking to people so I got my SIA badge when that came in and started doing security at Wembley Stadium um during the day and just kind of DJing I DJed everywhere initially in in the mid Mid, mid noughties, I suppose, like 2008, 2009, um, which eventually got me quite high up and I was being flown out to places. So I was getting flown out to Russia. There are gay bars in Russia. I was getting um, getting down to gigs in Germany, you know, just kind of moving all over the place. And I was doing really, really well. And then I freaked out. It's like, oh my God, no, no, no. This too much attention. I don't know how to deal with it. I'm actually really introverted, even though I sound extroverted. I am really introverted. Um, so whilst that was all happening, I was discovering the rather sultry underbelly of London by way of various um, alternative events. If you've heard of Torture Garden, um, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't heard of Torture Garden, then it probably sounds absolutely terrifying. It really isn't. It's probably the best night out to just really enjoy who you are and enjoy the space and not have to deal with dickheads, right? Because that place has, you know, consent is important. Um, various other nightclubs um, of a similar kind of uh, theme are also all really good. And a lot of really close friends I've made from that space just because it's a really different air um, compared to conventional nightclubs. Now, I was a bouncer as well. I worked in normal nightclubs and saw hardcore escapism happening, you know, um, people getting drunk, drunk, getting pilled up to their eyeballs again. Uh, but this time, not so much on antidepressants, more on other fun things. And then being an absolute chemical mess that like we have to deal with. So, um, you know, I've seen both sides of it and I know the side that I like and good people are there. And if you're watching, hey. So that was um, my 20s, which was really, really interesting. I worked as a life model as well. So being paid to be a bendy body, a bendy naked body, was the best time ever. Um, and it was the most physically taxing time ever. There is no amount of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or weightlifting or CrossFit or what else have I done? Capoeira or Taekwondo or Shotokan, like nothing, nothing compares with being a life model. And when I was a full-time life model, I would probably sit for two to three different um, venues per day. So you're looking at possibly up to like nine um, hours, maybe eight, eight, nine hours a day where you're holding positions. Try like if you, um, you can't see this. If you're listening to this, you can see this. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're holding a position, 
right? And you're not allowed to move. Like even if your nose itches or like your back itches or you've got a spasm or your hands gone numb or your fingers like doing some weird shit, like you literally cannot move. And sometimes I would hold positions like this for up to half an hour at a time and then I'd be allowed to have a break. But then I'd have to come back and hold that position for another half hour, maybe three, four, five times um, ago. And um, I used to sit for artists, private private artists, uh, schools, so all boys schools, all girls schools, uh, colleges, community colleges. Um, I, I sat in Pall Mall a few times. Um, where else? I've had uh, sculptors as well. I've had my head featured twice in uh, the V&A, Victoria and Albert Museum. Um, a lot of stuff. And then photographically, I've, I've worked with a lot of people. I think um, my stuff got sent to Italian Vogue at one point. I can't remember. Um, so a lot of things happened. My life um, in the 20s was all about just doing whatever the frick I wanted to do. Reached a point where I was almost homeless, you know, was a, what is it, what's the word? Anti-squatter, a guardian. So in London and in Europe as well, um, they do this thing where like they, they can protect venues or spaces by putting people in them so they're called like guardians we're not tenants you know it's a job to live there and kind of make the space look occupied so I was one of those shy of almost becoming homeless um but you know I worked my ass out from there like starvation's crazy if anyone says they're starving I usually just look at them and be like cool story bro you're a liar um because I was very close to that. I reached a point where I would have to buy a loaf of bread, like, you know, a, one of those big tiger bread things or whatever from co-op, which were like two pounds, or just wait for them to be like 90p. And then I would get one of those nourishment shakes as well. When they first started, I think they're about 70p or something. And I would have one nourishment shake a day. I'd have half in the morning, half in the evening, and then I'd have like two slices of bread. That's how shit my life got. So... I know it can't ever get that bad. And even if my life did get that bad, I can super handle it because that was a very large part of my 20s. And then I kind of pulled myself back out um, and started just, you know, trying to make a better life for myself. Like my relationship with my mom had deteriorated. My relationship with my dad had just, he was my stepdad anyway, but, you know, that had all kind of gone to pot. So um, I had to deal with a lot of hardships uh, in my 20s, but I always have a smile on my face like I do now, even dealing with the hardships I'm dealing with now. But the hardships now are actually easier than the hardships then, even though it doesn't seem that way. So um, that's that bit. And I came into where I am now. Probably like things started changing around 2012 when I got headhunted for the London Olympic Games. And I was working security at Wembley Stadium already from 2008 to this point, headhunted to be one of the managers again. This mouthpiece of mine is apparently quite good, and uh, I got part, I got hired to be part of the event management team dealing with crowd management. So, if you ever see me in person and you see me or you drag me into a crowd and you see me kind of get a little bit touchy, it's because my life used to be crowds once upon a time. So I'd look for exits, I'd look for everything, and just kind of make sure I knew where everything was, if things were inefficient, like how do I avoid getting myself stuck into bullshit? That's my that's the way my brain works now. So please don't take me into crowded spaces. They make me really nervous, unless I'm DJing, which is fine. Um, so I got headhunted uh, into that. That was a whale of a time. Went to Canary Wharf for a while, suits. 
Oh, the ocean of gray and blue and bleak suits. Again, from 2008, you know, being working at Yellow Pages as a graphic designer, kind of coming back into an office space. I was a little bit wary, a little bit touchy about it, but I survived. And then I think it was about 16 days of 16-hour shifts at the London Olympics was insane. But so many cool things happened. I actually spoke to Serena Williams on the phone which was insane. I'm like, I am not speaking to Serena Williams like that. She's like, oh my God, no, you are. And I was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like literally the year and a half worth of work was just, it was totally cool for that moment. Um, and I was helping her physiotherapist kind of get into a place um, from the entrance that I was working. So that's this part done because this is going to be super long and I think I can only do half an hour in browsers. Oh, no, it's only 11 minutes. I just talk really fast. So that's my 20s done in a nutshell. I could expand on this part and this part could be three episodes in and of itself because there is so much I haven't put in here for good reason because I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole I want to take you because <laughs> it's funny. It's funny and it's a little bit twisted. There's nothing kind of in, insanely like rude in there, maybe a little bit, but um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give you everything. I'm not going to give you everything. Um, but yeah, that's this part done. And we're going to now move into the most important parts of me that you need to know. You know, I'm, I'm giving you a little, a little insight into who or what a shiggy is. It's me. Um, and I'm going to do that right now. So now we're into kind of sort of now after the Olympics, I had a bit of a break because I made hella Skrilla and then I rested for about three or four months. I made, you know, I made money y'all. And then I decided, you know what, I'm actually not going to do anything. I'm going to sit on my butt and do whatever the hell I want, which wasn't much. I think I crocheted and watched Game of Thrones because winter was here. Um, I crocheted a lot of beanies. I like crocheting. Anyway, so I did that. I, I chilled out for a bit, just try to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And that's when my personal training career started. Um, weirdly enough, my personal training career started with me, um, you know, finishing my level three and then um, going out into the big bad world, trying to find a job. And I remember I went onto Amazon and I found this book called Ignite the Fire, written by Jonathan Goodman. And it just blew my mind on like how to figure out what what works for you. It taught me the fact that you know you need to you need to interview the venue, you need to interview the people that you're going to be working with because if you don't vibe well with them, then um, it's going to be a whole world of just uncomfortableness, and you will leave. So um, taking that on board, there was a lot of places I looked at and I went to, and I was just like, I don't, I don't really feel the vibe of this. And then I went to Virgin Active. Um, so I went to the super high black level ones first, didn't know what I was doing, went through the whole thing and um, kind of got knocked back because they said, yeah, you weren't quite exactly what we we're looking for. And I was like, well, what exactly are you looking for? Like, what energy, um, you know, do you need? Like, you've seen the energy that I have. Is there somewhere else that is more suited to my level? I appreciate you guys. A high level, you know, something a little bit lower. Will that be... Um, would that be more appropriate? So that manager is like, oh, cool. Yeah, now I know another place that's looking for people and you'd be perfect for it. So that's where I started at Virgin Active um, in South Wimbledon, which was, uh, it was an experience. I only lasted three months, but you know, that's the thing. Um, but the thing with that 
that moment, I sent John the longest email I have ever sent someone. It's just like a massive, just verbal thank you, verbal kind of full on um, email, not expecting him to reply, but he did. Right. And I'm only saying that now because um, John, with everything that he's done, he he's the mastermind behind the personal training development center. So the ptdc.com. Um, he did a whole bunch of other things, did 1K x-rays, now got the online trainer academy. Um, and I bought into all of those things. And a lot of what he's done is basically why I can do this right now. And secret side note, I have been editing his audiobooks, right? So I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but I've said it. So, you know, um, I had a lot of people's audiobooks, like more people are going to be coming out of the woodworks, but, um, yeah, basically John Goodman has been an accidental mentor, through his books and through the products that he's produced and I bought into them and every single time I bought into them I kind of stepped up a level with my fitness game so I started at Virgin Active as a fitness coach realized I didn't really like it so much because the vibe the community wasn't really quite there made a few friends um, from the personal trainers and actually a few of the members as well and moved to Pure Gym in Wandsworth had a whale of a time there a little bit of drama happened got kind of headhunted by another place, which is local motion, local motion studios around the corner from there. Um, that was fun. But then I kind of, you know, I, I figured that the way I was doing it, I'm not a personal trainer in the classic sense of a personal trainer. Like I actually don't enjoy, you know, programming stuff for people who have lives. So we're programming science for people who have children, who have jobs, who have evenings that go crazy, who have lives that they want to live. Like they, like for me, the logic wasn't really there. Um, and I was battling myself and being really miserable, kind of working in a, in an, in a energy and, and space that didn't really serve me. So from there, what did I do from locomotion studios? I moved somewhere else. Oh yeah. I moved to Brixton. That was fun. So I moved to a leisure center in Brixton and um, the community there was crazy. The guys there were absolutely nuts. I made a lot of friends there, a lot of amazing clients who I get to call friends. Hi, guys. I know you're going to watch this eventually. Um, and uh, that that was a really, really good time. But then I reached a point of being tired again. You know, you reach this kind of point And then it was either I hire other trainers to do what I do and get more clients or I open a gym. And I didn't want either of those. So I moved on to um, a situation kind of occurred. Ah, yes. A situation occurred by way of my my grandmother passing away in 2015, I think. Um, and there was a whole drama palaver around that. And I'm going to cover that in a separate episode because that definitely needs to be talked about with parents and stuff. But it's not for here. Um, and went to a funeral, kind of saw home a lot because I hadn't been home for ages. And I was just like, dude, okay, bouldering could be a thing. And this is when I started bouldering. And if you knew me back then, I always bouldered on a T-day. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'd spend like six hours bouldering. And um, I was looking at this, like just the landscape of my home village kind of going like, people can come out and do rock climbing and go to the Kakamega forest. They can hang out on the equator because literally you have to go over the equator to go into the main town and then back over the equator to get back to the farm. Like, it's nuts. It's such a beautiful place. I'm just like, I want to do a business with this. Um, so when I came back, you know, I was kind of talking about it to the guys at the bouldering center and everything. And, and one person kind of, you know, had his own adventure business that he was doing. So I teamed up with him for a year. Um, this is this is now kind of coming a year and a half forwards. I teamed up with him. Um, and it's a great business. It's just our characters really didn't kind of gel too well. Um, 
and I don't do well in offices. I said I don't do well in offices, but we ended up being in an office and, you know, things just went waywards. I do not do well in offices. End of. Um, so, you know, that happened. DJing was still happening in the background. I was still doing security. Um, the amount of times I got punched in the face, not that many for, um, I had a split lip once and I had to go to work in the morning to go see my clients. And they're just like, what the hell happened to you? And it's like, yeah, code red on the dance floor happened. I think it turned into a code black as well. Fun times. Again, many stories about security could uh, pop up at some point. So, um, yeah, I think I have very, very kind of quickly covered a lot of, um, my life just to kind of give you an idea of who I am. Um, Right now, I am now, I'm a audiobook editor and producer, and that started literally on the whim of a friend who had audio files that he wanted to turn into audiobook. He posted in one of the entrepreneurial book uh, groups I'm in, can anyone do this? And I said, yeah, obviously, there's a pigeon, I hate pigeons. Um, said, yeah, obviously, and that's how it, you know, audiobook editing became a thing, and I've been doing that this year, um, and it was doing really well, and then my mother um killed herself so I had to deal with that and now I'm kind of coming back again um a lot of people are just like oh take your time I'm like I have no time no one has time time is not guaranteed it might be a constant construct but it also doesn't exist so um yeah in a nutshell I have been called assaulted what have been called assaulted caramel space unicorn um to try and describe what I do because I do a lot and I have to do a lot I can't not do the things I do. So I am a DJ. Yes. I'm an audiobook producer. Yes. I am a fitness consultant for executives. Yes. I have very much niched myself in that space because I like helping people in like their lives where it isn't a nine to five. It's more like it just goes all over the place. Like you're flying all over the place, doing this kind of stuff. And then you come back and then you coach and then like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So lifestyle changing. Don't call me a life coach. I will finger throat punch you. I will do the thing in your throat with my fingers. Don't call me a life coach, even though that's kind of what I am. So um, that's a lot of it. I'm, I'm also a seamstress, but we won't go into that until I start showing you the waistcoats that I'm making at the moment. They're really, really fun. Um, so yeah, that's that's a huge kind of cover of, of who, what, where I am, where I've been, how I've gotten to where I am right now. And there's still so much that I could talk about, but I figured just a little quick hello howdy high would, would work. Um, and also to kind of show you that even though, you know, we get put on a path and we think, you know, we were born, we learn, uh, we do the GCSEs, we do the A-levels or the IBs, international baccalaureate, whatever you do, and then you do university and then you do your degree and then you get a job and then you find someone and then you have a child. And then, you know, that whole linear existence doesn't have to be true. Um, you can do whatever you want to do. You can do however many things you want to do. Like, you know, people who spin plates, you can do that if you want. Um, and if people tell you not to do it, look at them and what they're doing. If you want to live more of a life like them, then maybe listen to them. But also how about you try things and fail and then try again and pivot and figure stuff out for yourself. Cause ultimately, um, you're the one living your life. No one else is. And the last thing you want to do is come to the end of your life, you know, if you if you naturally reach a point where, you know, you're bedridden or whatever, and be like, oh, mate, I regret not doing blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, so literally your time is now, here and now, you've got to do everything that you want to do. Um, 
fear aside, like the worst thing that can happen is you end up being an anti-squatter and living off of nourishment shakes and a loaf of bread a week. And that wasn't so bad either, you know, whilst I was life modeling, holding poses for nine hours. <laughs> you don't have to go that route, but I'm just saying, right? You need to live your life. Everyone needs to live their life. And um, yeah, I think we're done. Holy crap. We're done. This is the last section last segment. Thank you so much to guys on Facebook for popping in, saying a thing or two, popping out, doing your thing. Um, that's going to be more of a thing. Um, basically Wednesday afternoons are now going to be dedicated to me chatting about stuff for this podcast. I've got three other podcasts I'll be launching, but this one's taking the main stage for now. Um, yeah, as usual, if you have any questions, find me on the media of socials. Uh, I'm on Instagram, El Shig. I'm on Facebook, Shiggy Pacta. Um, you can send me an email at hishiggy at shiggy.co.uk. That's H-I-S-H-I-G-G-I at shiggy, same spelling, .co.uk. Um, or yeah, if you, if you find me on LinkedIn, like you can send me a message on LinkedIn, but I'm not on there that often. And I will see you in episode three. I have no idea what it's going to be about, but um, we'll figure that out next Wednesday. Okie dokie. I'll see you soon. Bye.